salvation for some, healing for others, health for others, peace, deliverance for some people and, and myself. Uh, the rest of the stuff, and, and again, you're probably like my wife and I, what do you want for Christmas? I don't know. What do you want for Christmas? I don't know. If I want it, I go buy it all year long, right? Or if it's too expensive, then I don't buy it. So, you know, what, what is it? So what do we want? It's, yes. We want, we want Jesus. We want Jesus. We want him in our lives. That's the most important thing. So that's what we want to keep our minds set on today. So even if there are no presents in your, in your, uh, under your Christmas tree, or even if you don't have a Christmas tree, then that's okay. We have Jesus. But it's in this Christmas story, <clears throat> and of course you could read it in other, other uh, of the Gospels as well, there are big moments, what we call meta-narratives. Those are the big, major narratives of Scripture, the, the birth of Jesus and the, uh, uh, the original sin in the garden to the birth of Jesus to the second coming, things like that. But all these little odds and ends are so significant, and I think that it adds to the heart of the message when we see the small, insignificant, tiny, quiet things that go on for which we need to be thankful to him for. So just a few quick points. Uh, number one, as we look at this story in these verses, we see that, first of all, God uses insignificant people insignificant people start with himself he came as a baby i was just talking with someone uh, before the service how the gospel of the kingdom is like leaven right jesus said and it starts off with that tiny bit of yeast and then it grows and evil does the same thing and talk about the ultimate in leaven in a world of millions of people at the time a tiny baby was the beginning how fragile that tiny tiny baby and you can see God in heaven, and he's sitting there with the, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit sitting there, and, he's, and he says, okay, I'm about to split human history into halves. I'm going to create an eternal kingdom that is going to invade that limited realm. Time and space are about to change. Satan's kingdom is going to crumble. The realm of the spirit world is going to change forever, and here it is. Here, here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to announce this sign. You're going to find a baby. That doesn't make any sense. Well, who are you going to announce it to? I'm going to announce it to some shepherds out in the middle of nowhere. Wait a minute. You're going to declare this great kingdom that's coming. You're not even going to print flyers or anything? You're not, not going to announce it? You're just going to go talk to some shepherds in the middle of nowhere and tell them that there's a baby that's going to be born. Wow. Insignificant. Ins talk about an insignificant invasion. Wow, that's about as insignificant as you can get. And, and, and what about Mary? My goodness, just a little girl in a little place. This little maiden. Why little Mary? I don't know. But aren't God's choices amazing? And if you don't believe me, just look around. <laughs> There's Mary, not fashionable, you wouldn't find her in the Milan of her day with the latest in style. Not royal. She wasn't a priestess. She wasn't a princess. She wasn't anything. Not a part of Rome. Not wealthy. Nothing. None of those things. Just a simple, powerless, weak lady, girl, on a donkey, riding. But she did say those most incredible words, Be it unto me even as your word. Boy, there's a lesson for us. 
however insignificant you might feel, however lost you might feel, however confused you might feel, however bewildered you might feel, just keep saying that to him every day. Lord, be it unto me even as your word. Whatever it is, Lord, speak it to me and I'll receive it. If we could just get a church full of people to say that, if we could just get pulpits full of people to preach that... Not, not, not be it as our denomination says, not be it as what our interpretation says, but Jesus, what do you have? Just tell us, just tell us. God, God, God always used insignificant people. God used a little shepherd boy with no armor to defeat Goliath of the day. He took an army of 32,000, whittled it down to 10,000, whittled it down to 300 with Gideon and said, now you're ready. Does that make any sense whatsoever? If you're preparing for battle, the last thing you're going to do is whittle it down to nothing. Doesn't make any sense to us. He took a choir, Jehoshaphat, and with no armor, no weapons, just choir robes, he sent them out and they defeated the enemy with their praise. How do you kill a whole army with fabric? God can do it. God can do it. Insignificant. Insignificant. And then there's Joseph, Mary's husband. Wow. It gets worse. Here's Joseph. He's just a carpenter. He's just a working stiff, a Joe bag of donuts. No degree, no religious training, no spiritual mystic of any kind. But boy, was he obedient. Wow, was he obedient. It cost him everything. I I believe Joseph, one of the guys I want to talk to in heaven, what a prince of a man he must have been. Every day... You guys that work uh, as welders and you work in steel mills and you work in workshops around the country and thing around the, uh, the area, you know, can you imagine what he went through every day, the razzing and the teasing that he got every day? Hey, Joe, did God make your wife pregnant again today? Every day he had to put up with it. Wow. I look, I look at him and I think, can I be that submissive to God if it's going to cost me that much? My reputation being made a fool of every day. And then what about the shepherds? Mentioned them earlier. The angelic hosts made no proclamations to kings. They bypassed all the rulers. They bypassed the elders. They sidestepped all of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They disregarded all the diplomats and they went to a lonely shepherd group in the woods. It's almost as if God didn't even want anybody to know that this was going to happen. It's almost like he was playing a game. Like we're going to do the greatest thing in human history. Shh, I don't want anybody to know. And Isn't that what Jesus did several times with people that he healed? Don't go tell anybody this. Shh, don't tell anybody. (laughs) An amazing thing. He starts with such insignificant people. And that's what's so wonderful about this gospel is that all of us, and we'll get back to this at the end, all of us as insignificant people can become significant in the kingdom. He can use us in ways that we... Do you know, I really believe this. I really believe that when we get to heaven... You are going to be thronged by people that you blessed and you didn't even know you blessed them. You're, you're going to be thronged, that is, if you're, if you're presenting the gospel, and, and I don't mean like a great evangelist, I mean if you're just loving people and sharing Jesus with people and praying with people or whatever, that when you get to heaven, you're going to eventually meet somebody that says, you know, you said something to me that you didn't even know you said. You passed me in the hallway. You did something. You said something to me, and it 
clicked inside me. And then guess, then at like three or four days later, somebody else said something to me that was just like that. And then a week later, somebody else said something. And two months later, and then all of a sudden, I found myself sitting in church and I got saved. All because you, an insignificant person, said something or did something. Gave him a cup of water. Helped him out in a destitute situation. Shared with him in some way. I don't know insignificant people. But the the second thing that he does is he also uses insignificant places. He he comes in this whole thing. He says, you're going to go down to Bethlehem. How about Bethlehem? Bethlehem. Bethlehem. He didn't go to Athens. He didn't go to Rome. He didn't go to Memphis in Egypt. He went to Bethlehem. It's so ironic and appropriate. And then not only did he go to Bethlehem, the word says he went to Nazareth, down in to Bethlehem. He's always going down. Boy, aren't you glad of that? <laughs> aren't you glad he's not going up, he's going down? Because that's usually where he finds all of us, down. He went down. So he, they went from nowhere, deeper into nowhere, with nothing and nobody. And that's how he began this kingdom. And thou, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, out of you shall come forth to me he who is the ruler of Israel, whose going forth has been from old, even from everlasting. Micah, the fifth chapter. What? Everlasting to everlasting? And you're coming out of Nazareth, out of Bethlehem? My goodness. Out of a temporary place God did something eternal. Out of an insignificant place, he brought forth destiny-changing life. Out of a backwater borough, he, he, he brought an event that would eventually change Moscow, New York City, and London. God instituted the final testament, the consummation of all things, the beginning and the end of history as we know it, the climax of mankind, the culmination of all prophecy in a small barn next to a cow. I don't understand the kingdom. I never have. I don't think I ever will. (laughs) All I understand is I need to listen to Jesus. That's all I understand. Listen to him. And when he tells us to do something that we think is so insignificant and so foolish and so silly that in the end it could be the birthing and the beginning of something absolutely incredible. So don't tell me that God can't use you where you are. Don't don't tell me that the town is too small. Don't tell me that the family is crazy. Don't tell me that God could never do this or that. Don't tell me that your neighbor is too much or this. Don't tell me that the church is too dead. The church has always been dead. For 2,000 years, the church has been dead and alive and dead and alive. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that all those people are too this or too that. God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, with whomever he wants, and it doesn't matter how significant or insignificant they are. And then, and then look what God used all through the New Testament. He borrowed a donkey to convey a king going into Jerusalem. He instituted an eternal kingdom with a communion in a borrowed upper room. And, and then later he poured out his Holy Spirit in an upper room that was borrowed. He was a king coronated on a criminal's cross. His body was laid in a borrowed tomb. He purified a prostitute named Rahab and put her in the line of Christ. He handpicked Ruth, a poor woman, and brought her from the field to the palace. He took Elisha, who was a farmer, and gave him a double portion. He took David, who was a nobody 
a boy out with the sheep, the runt of the family. Do you have any other people that we can anoint as king? Oh, I guess there's little David out there by the sheep, but it certainly couldn't be him. Yes, it's him. It's not the tall one. It's not the smart one. It's not the good-looking one. It's not the rich one. It's the runt out by the shepherd. Oh, my goodness. And what are you going to do with him? I'm going to build an eternal throne with little David. <laughs> I'm going to place in the universe a throne that will never pass away. And the king of kings and lord of lords is going to sit on that little David's throne. <laughs> Amazing. One of the messages you can get from this is, Emmanuel, guess what? You're not dead yet either. None of your lives are dead yet either. None of your families are dead yet either. Not, what God is doing has not stopped in your lives. It's going to continue to happen more and more and more again and again and again. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It's going to continue to happen. So he uses insignificant people and he uses insignificant places to do his work. Amazing. Amazing. But then, and, and I've read this chapter before, but if you have your Bibles, flip over to Romans uh, the, right at the end of Romans, uh, this chapter to me is just such a wonderful, wonder, wonderful chapter. Romans, the 16th chapter, just the last chapter. I'm, I'm, I won't read the whole thing, but God uses insignificant people. He uses insignificant places. And then finally, the insignificant will always become significant with God. So all the insignificant will become significant. And this chapter has just always amazed me because this is Paul. This, is, this, is, this book of Romans is the book of the New Testament. It is the book that outlines all of doctrine. It is, it is the, the pinnacle of Paul's writings, many say. And he ends this whole glorious presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, from taking us from before we were saved to how we got saved, to being justified by faith, to being cleansed in every way, all the way almost to the very end, that nothing will separate us from the love of Christ, and goes on to the whole thing. And, and uh, he ends it with this 16th chapter, and I love it. I love it so much. He starts off by saying, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deaconess in the, in the church in Sancria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way that is worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been a benefactor of many people, including me. No one knows anything about Phoebe. All we really sort of know is that she was a bearer of this letter and that she was some type of businesswoman because she traveled. That's all we know. <laughs> That's all we know. But yet, Paul mentions her and she is in the holy scripture greet priscilla and aquila my co-workers in christ they risk their lives for me not only but i for all of the churches of the gentiles are grateful to them as well greet also the church that meets in her house greet my dear friend epinatus who was the first convert to christ greet mary who worked very hard for you and andronicus and junia andronicus they say was not even a believer that he was actually a, uh, the grandson of Herod. He was a slave owner. He was evidently married to Junia or something, but still mentioned. Maybe he was on the verge of getting saved. I don't know. My fellow Jews who have been in prison with me, they are outstanding among the apostles. Wait, wait, really? Really? Wait a minute, wait a minute. These people 
Phoebe, Aquila, Priscilla, Epinetus, Mary, Junia, Adronicus. Uh, these people are outstanding among John and Peter and Matthias and really? These people that we don't even know who they are? These are outstanding people, Paul says. Wow. And greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and our dear friend Stachius. Greet Apelles. If you didn't get the point by now, you'll also understand that none of these people were Jews. Only just a few of them. These were all Romans. These were all Gentiles. These were all filthy, dirty Gentiles that came to know Christ. <laughs> of such were some of you. Greet Urbanus, greet Stachius, greet uh, Apelles, greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus, greet Herodion, my fellow Jew, greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord, greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord, greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord, greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, and a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the Lord's people that were with them. Why mention all these names? These folks didn't do anything that we know of. Because God uses everyday normal people. I believe that's why the Holy Spirit put all these names in here, to remind us that after everything that Paul wrote in Romans about the incredible gospel that we have and all of his other, that we could fall into the understanding that, oh, God could only use those big people. I believe the Holy Spirit put this chapter in here to remind us that he uses everyday, normal, insignificant people like you and like me to bring the gospel to a world. All normal, all Romans, all people that were, do you know, historically, this group is actually almost the entire church in Rome. And all of these people were living on the knife edge of death. Some of them were in Caesar's household. Later on, he says, greet those in Caesar's household, right? Greet them for me. And, and these were men and women that were serving Jesus in the most despicable... You think America's bad right now. Wow. This is like heaven on earth compared to what these people were living in. They were living in Rome. They were living under Caesar. They were under Nero, who they say the first five years or so, Nero was actually not too bad. He was into arts and music, and he would create uh, banquets for the entire city, and people would come and eat and enjoy it, and he actually lowered taxes, and he was very beneficial to Rome. Then something snapped. <laughs> he killed his mother, castrated a young boy and married him, married his sister, did all sorts of other bizarre stuff, and went down the path to perdition. So in the midst of that, this church was worshiping God. Insignificant people, little people that were worshiping God, normal, everyday saints that were worshiping the Lord. When I get to heaven, I've said it, I'm going to talk to a lot of people in heaven. When I get to heaven, I want to talk to all these guys too. I want to hear their stories. What did God do in your life? How did, you, how did you live in Rome? How did, you, how did you live in Caesar's household? How did you do that? 
and yet you're worshiping. How did that happen? Yeah, wow. You know, but I, you know what? I actually don't have to wait till I get to heaven because I could ask everybody in this room because you're all the same people. You all have the same testimonies. I'm looking at a room full of Romans 16 because you're all there. You know, I was telling my wife this morning this. I'm 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 so weird. A fact that you don't have to even not agree with. <laughs> Duh. I've been, I, as I said, I've been listening to Christmas music, and, and I had, uh, the other day I had one on, and it was Elvis Presley who was singing. Uh, I'll, I'll be home for Christmas, I think. And he's, I'll be home. And I'm listening to him sing, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, number one, that is the worst voice ever. Wow. See what happens if you wiggle your hips at the right time. You become famous, I guess. But the worst voice ever. But from my understanding, of course, he was raised in the church like many of them. And, and he even to the end, he always would sing a, he would sing a hymn. He would sing a, a gospel song in his concerts. He still talked about God and all that kind of stuff. And so I wonder sometimes in his last few moments of life, because he, what, died in the bathroom or whatever, so we don't know how long it took for him to die. I wonder how much of that came back to him. I wonder how much he remembered. I wonder if he died singing Amazing Grace. That was one of his favorites. I wonder what, would, what happened and did he accept Christ as his Savior right before he died? We don't know. He could be in heaven. I don't know. As I've told you, I don't put people in heaven and I don't put them in hell. God does that. Thank the Lord. Because if I did it, <laughs> you'd all be in trouble. <laughs> no. And so I was telling my wife this this morning. I said, here's, here's how my crazy brain tracks then. I'm just sitting there thinking, listening to him sing. I'm thinking, you know what? He could be in heaven. He could have repented of his sins in the last hour of his life. He could be in heaven. And he could be eating spaghetti with my dad. My dad could be sitting there with Elvis Presley saying, you know, I really loved it when you sang. <laughs> I don't know. But one thing I love about how this whole thing ends, when we're standing before the Lord, the word says, the great and the small will stand before him. And we will all be naked before him and his presence. And we'll stand before him and it won't matter how famous you were or weren't and how much money you made or didn't. The only thing that's going to matter is the name of Jesus in your life. And the only thing that's going to further matter is were we faithful to him until the end? And that's all that matters. Those words, well done, thou good and successful servant. Oh, wait. Well done, thou famous and wealthy servant. No. Keep getting that verse wrong. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's all it is. That's all it is. So... You are insignificant this morning. I guarantee it. I guarantee nobody cares about you except for Jesus. And isn't it wonderful to be able to say, you know what? My spouse loves me. My kids love me. They, I understand. But isn't it great this morning to know that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords never thinks you're insignificant? 
You are at the top of his agenda today. Tomorrow morning before you wake up, he's already there waiting for you to wake up. He's already there preparing your day. You are significant to him. And if you and I were part of that Christmas story a long time ago, we would be part of those little things where God poured himself out. And I believe he wants to do it today as well. So as you go from this place, we're going to just sing one last Christmas carol, Christmas song. But as you go, probably the best thing you could do is just square the shoulders, put a spring in your step and say, you know what, no matter how I feel, no matter what I'm thinking about people around me, I am significant to God today. I am significant to him. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Let's just sing it. Uh, oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and adore him. of my brethren, Jesus says in Hebrews, I will sing your praise. You know what he just loved seeing right now? Is seeing all of his little insignificant folks just worshiping him. Because he looks down and says, those are my significant people. Those are the ones upon whom I've poured my blessing. Hallelujah. Praise his name. Turn around. Bless somebody. Greet him in Jesus' name. Give him a Merry Christmas and go forth praising him.